Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello, and welcome to episode 133. I Right? Why does that sound weird now? Is it 133? I think it is. We'll say 133. I honestly don't know. Okay. I don't know why I thought I could count on you for that. (laughs) Of a podcast about craft beer and film, that's Johnny Summers. And that is Max Minardi. We do this once a week. We talk about craft beer and film. We do two craft beers, one film, uh, kind of, more or less. One plus. Sure. One plus, sometimes two. One guaranteed. Indeed. Uh, Every every week. If you want to find us on social media, you can get at us. Fresh Hop Cinema is all of our... Social media, that's our name on most of it. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. You can email us, fhccast at gmail.com. You can uh, check out our website. That's http colon backslash backslash www.freshhopcinema.com for all sorts of fun stuff. You can also, if you'd like, support this podcast financially by going to patreon.com slash freshhopcinema where you can give us a dollar per episode, $3 per episode, $5 per episode. $400 per episode. We don't care. We'll take, we'll take what we can get. But ultimately, for the... For the cost of a cup of coffee a month, you can support our show. It makes us feel good. You can get access to bonus content. We have events. We have one coming up in August. Um, and if you like the, the concept of movies and beer and you live kind of in the Northern California area, particularly with regards to this event, I think you should join. I think I think you're making an active mistake every day not joining. That's right. So If you're listening on iTunes or somewhere you can leave a review, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, your mission this week is to tell one person that hasn't listened about this podcast. I like that. Yep. Yeah. Go forth and spread my seed into the world. That's uh, phrasing aside. I really love that idea. Yeah. So let's kick it off with the beer, dude. Let us do this. Are you ready to game on? Yeah, I am. But I just realized, by the way, that this brewery does a lot of sort of these video game themed um, beers. Well, the last one we did was Karate Kid themed. Yeah, that's true. So, well, we, tell tell me we, the brewery. We did a rice lager not that long ago after Young Maxwell's trip to Oregon from a brewery called Level Brewing out of Portland, and that was uh, rice lager. I yeah, believe. it was called uh, Sweep, Sweep the, the leg. leg. Yeah, and they do have at least one, two. I see three, three total uh, video game themed, and then we've got a, a yep asteroids. So there's a bunch Star Wars, Mortal Kombat. Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of callouts here. Uh, but yeah, Level Brewing does does us a lot. And the bummer that we found with the Asian rice lager that we did um, is that it was old. Yep. So that was that was kind of lame because it was one of those beers that I think would have been really nice if it were fresh. Um, so I'm excited to try this. Johnny, you told me you bought a four-pack of this. Nope. And did you not? Oh, that's the, the other one. Yep. How many of these did you get? That was donated involuntarily to the show by one Chris Gomez. Oh, thanks, Chris Gomez. Shout out to Chris Gomez. Appreciate that, man. He brought some of these over to my house for a bottle share a couple weeks ago and left it in my fridge. And I love the can. Perfect. Because it's incredibly Super Mario influenced and themed. And as you can tell by some of my tattoos, I'm a huge Super Mario fan. Yep. So I saw it and I was just going to drink it the next day. And then I'm like, you know what? No, this is good for the show. This is perfect. It's a beautiful can. It was it was canned fresh. I think he got it while he was up there seeing Mastodon and Coheed and Cambria on the tour that I went to. So he saw them two days before I did. Yeah, in a different city. In a different city. So this is a 6.5%. Again, this is their IPA. It's called Game On. They describe it on their can as thus. A big, juicy citrus hop aroma with lots of hop flavor and moderate bitterness balanced by a smooth malt backbone. 
Uh, we both agreed before we read that it's a pretty generic description yeah. of an IPA. But my question to you, Johnny Summers, is, is the flavor generic? Is this beer generic after all? Or is it perhaps saved by the taste? I wouldn't say generic as much as I would say that it's very fundamentally sound. This has all of the boxes checked for a good IPA that I would be looking for. It is a little bit juicy, but it's not overly sweet. So you're getting some of that nice hop juicy presence with some bitterness mixed in. A little bit dry on the front. It's got a nice bitterness throughout. Uh, and it drinks really smooth and clean. It's a really tasty, well-rounded IPA. Yeah, I get I get definitely citrus. I'm thinking grapefruit is kind of the the tartness that I'm getting. There is a, a pretty pretty strong maltiness there, but it's not overpowering like um like Lagunitas IPA might be. It's not front and center. Mm-hmm. Definitely supports the hoppiness, I would I would say. Mm-hmm. It's nicely carbonated, it's light, it's drinkable, it's six point five percent, so it's not gonna knock you down, but it's not gonna do the opposite of that either. It's right there in the middle. It's not gonna lift you up. It'll support you wherever you're at. And if you drink it fast enough, probably it will uh, knock you down, probably. Maybe. Or if I you think. drink enough of them. Yes. Enough of them fast enough. Yes. That's what alcohol does. Yeah. And that, <laughs> folks, is how alcohol works. Uh, no, this is good, man. I, um, I'm pleased with it. I'm glad you saved it. Thanks. Me too. It is, it's a bare bones beer, but it's definitely, like I guess it's just fundamentally sound. Yeah. Like, if I pick up just a regular single IPA from a brewery that's yep. only a month old, like I want it to be this crushable. Like I would drink this all day. I wonder how much it costs. I don't know. Because that's, I mean. You're always, we did this last week too. I know. It's, well, it's an important factor, I think, in buying beer. This is a 12 ounce can. Um, it's important for peasants that don't get beer <laughs> given to them. Uh, Chris, if you're listening, please let me know how much this costs you. I'd love to uh, just know. And if I doubt that we can get it, I'm sure this is um, very uh, not super widely distributed. But yeah, I'd love to see this in Chico. Totally. Yeah. I like their beer a lot. I've had two from them and 50% of them were good. Yeah, fair enough. Or is it kind of this one and the last one? Yeah. Just those two? Yeah. Okay. Um, have you seen any other stuff around town ever? No. This <laughs> has got to be an Oregon-only thing. I think I've seen it in Bend before. Yeah, sure. Just but, really, really small distribution. Yeah, I'll see if I can get some when I'm up there in Bend in October. Yeah, do that. Because I like their stuff a lot. And I have a couple leads on new places to buy beer from Cameron. Shout out. Oh, what up? Yeah, she's going to send me some dope bottle shops up there that I didn't know about. Nice. So I'm stoked. But yeah, as far as it's Mueller time, Mueller time. Uh, I was noticing funny. that too. There's there, this is a pretty good website in terms of um, laying out what they package, mm-hmm. though there is near no description of them. It just gives you kind of the style of beer and the alcohol. But there's a really nice layout of all their can art, which is uh, like I said earlier, pretty pretty pretty. Their can art's pretty radical. Yeah, I like all the bright colors. Yeah, like if I could get a shirt of this beer label, I would buy one. Totally. And the neon swimsuit, I like that one. It's their uh, that pink is just like bam. Yeah, it's a golden summer ale, and it's got like straight eighties cartoon characters yeah. on it. I love it. Yeah, me too. And they're in Portland, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Well, dude, I'm gonna have to get up there uh, next time I go to Portland. I'm gonna have to check this place out. Yeah, do it, man. Let me know how it goes. I feel like I've seen this beer or beers from them at um, a beer cade in Portland. Oh, really? That oh, I love. It. I think it's called One Up. There's a couple dope beer cades. You say beer cade, not barcade? Is that specifically because they only serve beer? Um, the one the, I've been to one in Portland, and it was for sure a beer cade because they yeah. like specialized in craft beer. Sure, but like, um, there's a couple that I've been to that are like full bars. Yeah, and I guess those would be more of a barcade. Bar yeah. But I just call them beer cades because they're fun. There's a really awesome beer or barcade in Eugene. I can't think of the name of it, but the whole like I five corridor is a. Uh, there's some fun. There's stuff. some in there, which is yeah, it's nice. If you've never been, it's. 
basically probably what you're assuming it is. They're awesome establishments mm-hmm. that specialize in uh, arcade style video games, both old and new, mm-hmm. and you can drink while uh, playing them. There was one in Portland that I went to, and the whole upstairs they had a whole floor of pinball. Machines. I hate pinball machines. I do I too. Knew oh, okay, I great. like looking at them. <laughs> yeah, they're way cool. I hate playing pinball. It's anxiety, dude. Yeah. Same reason I don't like playing air hockey. Air hockey is the worst. Too it's much anxiety. So, yeah, it's I, Gianna makes me play it every now and again when we end up near an arcade, but it makes just, my whole body tense up. There's one. Yeah. About it. There's one in Reno where. Um, you have like you know how big the normal ones are the hand what do you call those things like puck. The, puck, the paddles no, paddle yeah um, well there's they're like half that size you get one in each hand oh wow um, and you're playing one on one and then so one puck will drop it comes from like this shoot from out of the side oh wow and then like at random points throughout the game it'll drop like twenty small pucks oh my god and just like it's 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 your worst nightmare I feel like that should come with the Xanax yeah it's it's I mean it's fun for a minute but then like because they're so small the paddles are like it's easy to put your knuckles over the edge oh okay <laughs> just get. Uh, yeah. Whacked. Yeah, that sounds like anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Air hockey stresses me out. Yeah. It has since I was a kid. Yeah. The other cool thing about barcades is a lot of them are run by people that are doing it because they love those things, beer and video games. So you'll find a lot of them that just have like 25 cent games, mm-hmm. like the way the machines were designed versus going to like a Dave and Buster's or a, like a Scandia where it's like, this game cost 19 quarters to play for three minutes. Yeah. Dance, dance revolution. There's a place in Bend called Vector Volcano uh, Arcade and Pinball Hall, I believe is like the actual title. Sure. And it's five bucks an hour. For just like unlimited play? Whatever you want to do. That's awesome. Grab a beer. Go Wait, wh- free beer? No. Okay. <laughs> not free beer. But they had like paps and if, like they had a like a home kegerator mm-hmm. with like two taps and they had a bunch of bottles and cans and just grab like a tall can of paps. And yeah, five bucks an hour, and all the games yeah. were set to have unlimited continues. So that's you could awesome. just like go, go, go continue yeah, and that's just awesome. That's great. Yeah. So I would play like Super Mario for an hour for five dollars. Yeah. It's yeah. so cool. And they had a bunch of old, bunch of new. That's the way to do it, where you don't need to go get quarters. How do you make money? Um I guess I mean, I guess that's true. They're not really making money from the video games at barcades, even like I said, they're like a quarter a game. So you're really banking on people buying drinks. Buying drinks and staying for a couple hours. I guess. You yeah. Know what I mean, I mean, how many that's that's twenty quarters. Uh, you said, did you say an hour? Yeah. Five dollars an hour? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's, that's still low. I, I bet you like the average person at a quarter barcade probably spends like 10 bucks an hour on games. Maybe. I'm just trying to think of times that I've been. But also that place is small. It's like, uh, like, uh, like a store in a strip mall. Oh, so it's like a weird. literally like a hall with a bathroom at the end. Okay. So it's just two walls lined with video games. It's a really cool place. So I imagine the rent would be a little bit lower in a place like that. I would type in like Vector Volcano. I forgot Vector. Yeah. That's right. um, yeah, okay. But yeah, it's a really fun spot. I'll probably go play some some games there in Bend when I'm up there again in October. Not yeah, I feel like I'm broadcasting that. Sure. That's, I figured that's, I would at least get the name totally. It's Vector Volcano Classic Arcade. It's so cool. And it's right downtown. It's walking distance to Crux and like the Deschutes Tap nice, Room. dude. We went to the Deschutes Tap Room for dinner, had a great dinner there, and then walked over to here. Yeah. Walked around. There's a really cool record store called Ranch Records that nice. I love. And it's also walking distance to the spot where I'm going to go see that concert. Nice. And there's a couple breweries right there, like Silver Moon that we did yep, yep, is yep. right in oh, that that's, area. Okay. This is that whole, okay. There's yeah. that coffee shop that we talked about. Yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but yeah. yeah. So it's a great little downtown. So I'm looking I'm looking at a picture of it here. It's, it seems kind of like a long room, mm-hmm. uh, pinball on one side with some, uh, it looks kind of far away, but like maybe racing games and then more classic arcade games on the other side. Yeah. Cool. And they have stools, which is always nice. Yep. 
And it's, it looks really clean and lit. Yeah. Uh, I'm using that in the traditional sense, not the young Not lit sense. AF? No. It's it's really bright in there. And I think that's that's like one of the downfalls of a lot of barcades is they always feel like gross and Just dark dingy. and ugh, like the floors are carpet, but they're somehow sticky. Ugh. It's not good. Like old Chuck E. Cheese, but like on yeah. booze. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Do they? I don't even remember. Did they sell beer at Chuck E. Cheese for the parents or something? Some of them did. They must have. Some of I them did. I can't imagine ugh. not having a beer when you take your 20 kids from- uh, your one kid's first grade class to Chuck E. Cheese. The one in Chico's right across from a bar. There's one in Chico? There used to be. Okay. It's not there anymore. Where was it? Uh, it was over on East Avenue right across the parking lot from Quackers. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yep. yep. I never went. All the dads would go over to Quackers, like and the moms and the kids would stay. At, yeah. Yeah. It made yeah. sense. Those places are hell holes. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah. One time, this is not exactly... This is not the same at all. But sometimes Chuck E. Cheese's would have a slide, like they'd have like a play area, mm-hmm. which makes me think of the last time I was on those as a kid, and it was at a Del Taco, and there was poop in the slide, and nice. I slid right through it. Oof. Uh, and my dad said, we're done here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so? Yeah. They had to take the uh, the ball pit out of the McDonald's in <sighs> Paradise because somebody Animals. got stuck with a needle. Oh, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's gross. Yes. That's yeah, not good. But beer cades are good. And you know what else is good is this damn beer. Yeah, I I really like that full circle. Well done. Thank you. This is, yeah, a beer that is video game based or at least inspired. And I think it's very solid. Just like a good barcade is a solid beer. Hell yeah. Let's rate it. This is an 8.2. Okay. It's solid, man. It's it's upper echelon for any just regular old single IPA. It's it's better than 90% of the beers you're going to get out there. Yeah. I'm going to give it a, a solid 8. It's great. Beautiful. Really good beer. Thanks for leaving this at my house, Chris. Yeah, thanks again, dude. If you, I don't, I don't know if Chris listens to the podcast, but he might. Well, he's if on Patreon. So. He's on Patreon, and I get my haircut with him at least every three weeks now. So I wouldn't be surprised. But he's also got a lot going on. That's true. So, like, I'm not saying it would hurt my feelings if he didn't, but it would make me feel good if he did. So, Chris, if you are listening, or somebody wants to email us pretending to be Chris, make our day. Thanks. Somebody tell Chris. No, maybe. I don't know. I don't care. I don't know. You can tell him <laughs> if you want. Yeah. Tell him next time you're getting your hair cut. Hey, we did a f- beer that yeah. you left in sure. Johnny's fridge. Good sure. work. So that was Game On IPA from Level Brewing out of Portland. I'd be curious to know if he went there to pick that up. I would too. Because I love hearing about how breweries are. I love that either of us could text him and we're not going to. Nope. Yeah. We got it's, other stuff. Do you ever bank things for conversations? You're like, you mean like store them away? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's in my pocket now. So next time I right. see Chris, I'm having at least Mention one this. thing. I love it. I love do you it. do that? No, but I should do it. because So I'll, I just end up not saying stuff. Well, one of the least favorite parts of my life is any time I have to make small talk. Yeah. So that's a good way to, to strategize and do that. It's yeah. just bank it away, dog. Bank love it. it away. Love it. While we take a break. No. No? No. Why don't we talk about flick picks? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot. That's okay. That's fine. Uh, you have something. I do. Would you like to go first or second? I'll go first. Okay. It is fresh in my brain. Hit me. So what, three weeks ago, we were talking about MasterChef and yeah. our, our love of cooking shows and our disdain for kind of reality TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it came about, uh, we put a shout out for emails of cooking shows that you liked. Yes. Uh, I think we both got separate recommendations. I, got, I think I got a text. I think I got an email. Or no, I got an Instagram. That's what I got. Yeah, I don't remember if it was an all-out communication assault from one Mr. Jared Schmidt. You got to do that. It's a woof. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a woof. So he sent out a woof about the show called Chef's Table. And for me, it really cuts through all the BS of reality TV because it's way more of a docu-series. Yeah. 
capturing chefs in their natural environment. And I've been kind of binging it. And it's really, really worthy of your time. If you like shows like Master Chef, to mm-hmm. me, it just it cuts right to the heart of what food is and why people cook. And one episode really stands out a lot. It's from collection number one. It was the fifth episode featuring a guy named Dan Barber. He's a chef from upstate New York in the Hudson Valley. And he was one of the pioneers uh, inadvertently of the farm to table movement of serving only things that are in season, emphasizing that in every single item on the menu, that type of thing. Uh, And it follows him and kind of documents his like childhood, why he got into cooking experiences that he had leading up to having his own restaurant, all that kind of fun stuff. But what really was the most fascinating was how involved he was in the process of the food that he cooks and the ingredients that he uses. Uh, And that's something that me and Max have talked about a lot and that we want to be more involved in is knowing where our food comes from and feeling good about eating the things we're eating. And this guy actually collaborates with farms. They bought a dairy farm. He collaborates with farmers that grow grains specifically for him to make bread. Yeah, Uh, They've made new kinds of wheat. They've done all kinds of stuff. And he collaborated with a, I guess, like scientist of plants, like a botanist type character that breeds and crossbreeds different vegetables, right? So that's what they do for a living to create new different kinds of tomatoes, stuff like that. And he went to this guy and was like, I want to breed squash for flavor. I want to make butternut squash that's smaller without as much water density, um, but that's like more flavorful. And the dude was tripping because nobody had ever come to him to ask to breed a vegetable specifically for flavor. Mm -hmm. So it was a really cool experiment that they did together. But the dude has his hands on everything that he cooks before it is out of the dirt. It's really inspiring and it makes me want to support his restaurant and it's called blue hill if you're ever in new york sure. and they have a restaurant at the farm too it's like blue hill at cornerstone or something right um but yeah that episode in particular stood out to me because it, it just touched me so deeply as far as like what i want to do and like in an ideal situation what i could do so if you're into that sort of thing and want to learn more about that or just be fascinated with a really interesting look at a very interesting and talented chef i would highly recommend checking that show out give me the name one more time what was his name? Dan? No, that's not the name of the oh, show. Uh, Chef's Table. And where people can watch it? That's streaming on Netflix. It's a Netflix Love it. original. And there's like six collections with like five episodes each. So Dope. go nuts. Okay. Well, speaking of Netflix, I have something that I watched. It is an hour long, so I'm going to count it as a flick. Um, comedy special from one Aziz Ansari. Nice. And it came out uh, at midnight on July 9th, Tuesday. If you're me or Johnny, we know that that is uh, today for us little peek behind the curtain there, everybody. Ooh. Um, so I stumbled upon this by accident. We recorded last night for um, whatever movie that was, that Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then did some stuff. I got some audio files from a show. It doesn't matter. But I was up late. And then I wanted to watch something to wind down. And I put on Netflix at like 1230 in the morning. And I saw this new special from Aziz Ansari, who, if you have followed at all in the past years, kind of had a, a, a rough go. Um, there's been some, some sense uh, disproven sexual allegations against him. Um, and all sorts of other stuff. And he's been kind of off the radar. So I was shocked to see this. Is yeah. The point. And his special is called Right Now. It's called Aziz and Sorry Right Now. Um, and I just want to point this out. I was in the, uh, I think I was the 11th person on Letterboxd to review this. Oh, wow. So I was like, right, like we're, this is, this is cutting edge news. Nice. Right now, like we're at the forefront of this. Um, but I thought it was really, really good. It was 
it, it was less like traditional Aziz goofiness. And though I did laugh a handful of times, it wasn't like a laugh out loud comedy special. It was like a, it was a, it was a heartfelt, intimate, uh, like confessional basically. Um, and he applies some of these things that he's learned over the past, um, well, the past year, but also more than that, um, just kind of being in the, the film business and TV and that sort of thing. Um, and it was just really interesting to kind of peek behind because I always feel like he's playing like a character, like, like on a show, any show, like Parks and Rec, take like Tom Haverford, uh, Haverford, like very goofy, very eccentric and very weird. Um, and he starts off the show with like this, there's no laughs. He comes out, sits down, the lights are up in the crowd. And he's like, I just want to talk to you guys for a minute. Like, this is kind of what's been going on. I know some of you are, it must be like weird. You have questions. I had a lot of questions. So here's where I'm at. Wow. Here's where, this is how I've grown as a person. I'm trying to live my life better. And he kind of brings it full circle by the end. And it's just this really satisfying, like take on himself and by proxy, like humanity and like how we should all try to be better in this age of social media and um, things being able to just magnify so quickly and, and not being able to understand each other and like really trying to do that. He talks about like taking time to spend with your family because everybody's going to die soon. Gets really heavy at points and it's so satisfying and good um, that I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. So I like that. Aziz and Sorry right now. It's on Netflix. Nice. So that makes me really want to watch that. It's really good. I almost texted oh, you. Were, I knew you were asleep, but I almost forgot. I was like, I was going to call you. Like, you got to watch this right now. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's one in the morning, dude. But I did not. So <laughs> day job, man. Day job. Yes. Thank you for not and saving yeah. that tidbit of information sure. for right now. I will definitely check that out. Yeah. Uh, you were saying about six minutes ago, you wanted to go to a break. Oh, yeah, that moment's gone, though. Let's just keep going. No. No? <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. We're going to dive into Midsummer. Yeah. Can I say something real quick? Yes. We're not even going to play a trailer. I'm going to make that call. Okay. I was going to suggest that. So We're not going to play a trailer. We're basically not going to say anything about it, which is to say that if you haven't seen Midsummer yet, don't worry. We're not going to spoil basically anything. Yeah. Until but also, much later in the show. But also know that the second segment's going to be very vague. It's yeah. near impossible to talk about this movie without spoilers. So I'll do my best. Yeah. Away we go. We'll be right back. Maxwell, you'll never guess where I went to dinner yesterday. Where'd you go? I went to the Handlebar right here in Chico, California. They're an amazing craft beer bar and now a full bar. And they have a great happy hour seven days a week. That's right. It's from 2 to 6 p.m. Seven days a week. Like you said, you get a dollar off all their draft beers all their cocktails, and you get half off bottles of wine, which is already a crazy deal because they've got an amazing menu. They have a patio. They're all ages, so you can bring your kids out outside. You can bring your pets. Your doggo. That's a lot of fun. It Again, is. that's the Handlebar right here in Chico. They are located, if you've never been, which is a huge mistake, at 2070 East 20th Street on the south end of town. They are next to Best Buy. They are next to Winco, and they're a fantastic local business. So if you have another chance, go check them out. Once again, the Handlebar right here in Chico, California. Okay, so no trailer for this. So how much should... I know how much we should. The answer is very little. So how do we want to set up this movie? Hmm. I know I want to say this at least. This is written and directed by Ari Aster, who is lastly known uh, for Hereditary, which was a film distributed by A24. It was a horror movie. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen it, it was in... Uh, was it in your top 10 of last year? Hmm. It probably, definitely made it to mine. Probably. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it was really, really good. That's why I was very excited for this movie. Right. So this film star stars Florence Pugh, who we have seen in Fighting With My Family, 
But that was, uh, we did that on the show quite a while ago. I will say, if nothing else about this movie, it is a far cry from that. And seeing her get to flex some different acting muscles was really nice. Yeah. Uh, Jack Rayner is in this. William Jackson. Harper. Wilhelm Blomgren. Uh, Will Poulter. Alora Torchia. And Archie Medeque. Sound right to you? Sure. Medeque? Sure. Yep. Um, and I think we'll just say this. We can hold each other, excuse me, accountable um, in case we want to edit anything. But I'm going to say... All we need to know to set up this discussion is that it is a film about a group of friends that travel to Sweden during a summer midsummer. Time. Sure. <laughs> during a vacation. Uh, and that's all I really want to say about it. Yeah. Fair? Do you don't want to give any thoughts or? I definitely, no, I'm sorry. That's all I want to say about the plot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's enough to I set up. I was going to say, are we just <laughs> ending the middle <laughs> segment now? Uh, no, that's just, but I, I think that's enough to set up plot. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I guess it's worth noting that one of the friends in the group is originally from uh, the place that they go, it's a small village, and he takes them back to see his home because one of them is doing their uh, master's thesis mm-hmm. on um, – he's a psych- psychologist. and Foreign cultures pretty much. and, and traditions yeah. and yes. stuff. Um, so th- they're invited back for this midsummer uh, uh, celebration, yeah. essentially. Uh, it's a very different thing. We don't have it in America. So they're like, yeah, we'll go. We can learn about some stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. <laughs> now we're good. Yes. So what do you think? Oh, this movie was – so much there was there was many 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 things to unpack uh this movie was viscerally um abusive to your your senses in a lot of different ways and your emotions it was one of the most mentally pulverizing and thought-provoking films that i've ever seen sure um it was beautiful it was annoyingly beautiful Mm -hmm. uh it was it was, you know, shocking, but it wasn't shocking to be shocking, which was nice. Right. Because, well, I mean, I'm going to ask you in a little bit about what your expectations were, but mm-hmm. continue. For Definitely. Now. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a very, very unique experience. It's a movie that will kind of cripple you for a couple hours after you watch it. At least it did me. I really had a hard time getting up from the theater seat and mm. going about the rest of my day. I, re- I just sat down at home with a beer in a dark room and like thought about this movie and, and life. And it, it really brings up a lot of questions. It's a very interesting movie in that it can bring up certain observations about society and, and different things and, and life and death and all these things. So uh, overall, I was very, very happy with this movie. I think it's uh, one of my favorite movies so far this year. Okay. I want to just jump on uh, piggyback for a second. You said it is, it's vis- viscerally, uh, you didn't use the word challenging, but I think that's a fair word. Um, it is rated R. I didn't point that out. I just also want to say this originally came out on July 3rd. Um, it runs two hours and 20 minutes, so a little bit of a lengthy film. This was also put up A24, um, and as of July 8th, it's made just $11.8 million, which is actually, I believe I read, was the biggest opening weekend for an indie film um, ever. That's awesome. So very cool. That is very cool. I don't know how they calculate it because the 8th of um, or the 3rd of July was a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So I think movie schedules, I've never noticed this before, but we talked about Spider-Man coming out on a Tuesday. It's not overlap with the 4th of July, and I assume this is the same situation. Makes sense. Um, but still, a big opening weekend for an indie film, nonetheless, from a uh, sophomore film from a director. I believe Hereditary was Ari Aster's first. Hmm. Um, which leads me to my kind of initial thoughts, which are Hereditary, if you haven't seen it, has a very, very specific aesthetic that Aster establishes, but by way of camera work and um, just the, the way he chooses to score particular scenes like hereditary had had options for tons of jump scares and i don't think really used them which i love 
in a film. I think letting the context of your story being scary in and of itself is a really powerful quality mm-hmm. that he's really good at. Yeah. So so going into this, I had managed to avoid all trailers. I didn't know anything it was about. I accidentally read one sentence saying, a uh, group of friends goes to Sweden. And I was like, ah, shoot, I got to turn off social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't like this movie quite as much as you do, I don't think. Um, I went in with really, really high expectations from Hereditary, and I don't think this is as good as that. And I don't think it's really possible to not compare them mm. because of how similar this movie felt to Hereditary in terms of uh, cinematography and just the overall makeup of how this movie was shot. And um, I remember thinking in Hereditary, wow, these like really creative, cool shots. There's a sequence in this movie where the camera flips upside down and we're driving down a highway. And it's really mind bending because there's um, like the camera flips around a couple of times. Kind of reminds me of that scene in Climax where the camera goes up on the ceiling and moves down and looks at the dancers. Um, there's also a lot of elements of like, um, psychedelic stuff in here. Mm -hmm. There's, and there's some effects used and I think some work really well and some are almost goofy. Um, and it took me out of break that down with you. Definitely. Because that's one of the features of this film that I thought that they knocked out of the park. Okay. In terms, so I think there's two ways to look at those. There's like the, the coolness and the effectiveness of the effect itself in terms of delivery of like what it actually looks like. Yeah. And then there's how it affects the movie. Mm. Um, and for me, they looked really cool, but sometimes took me out of the moment. Mm. I also say there were a lot of funny moments in this movie that caught me off guard. Um, there's another actor in here, and I, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but I can look it up. The knucklehead? Uh, yeah. yeah. He's, he's the two that was in like Maze Runner. He was in that RV movie. I think it was called RV. Um, <laughs> that RV, what was RV that RV movie, movie with Robin called? Williams and, uh, you know. Yeah, it was called RV. It was called RV. <laughs> or, was he in that movie? Uh, I don't know, but that's hilarious. Yeah. No, he was in uh, We Are the Millers. So that's what I'll... Um, look at, he's a kid with the eyebrows guys. Everybody knows him. You see his face. He's got these real crazy eyebrows and he's always like, I don't know. I think the maze runner, he was cast as kind of like a bully. Okay. But here, like he, he does lend pretty nicely to some comic relief. Well, and he's so just to the core out of place and yeah. does not know how to behave any other way than how he is. Yeah. Like he's the one in the group of friends. that's like, Oh, we're going, we're going like all over. We're going to Europe and to Sweden. Like we're going to try all sorts of drugs and have sex with people. We're like in Stockholm, right? Yeah, right. And the, No, that's the complete opposite direction. Right. <laughs> um, so I think a lot of that stuff actually did work for me pretty well. Okay. Um, the stuff that fell short for me, I think, is is sort of character development and, and just backstory. Like, I think we're given sort of this motivation for one of the characters to do this in the first place. And the interaction between them is basically all we get, I think. Mm. Um, and the rest of the movie kind of depends on us believing that or not. See, I, I, I have an interesting... I don't think I think the same thing. Okay, sure. So I'm really looking forward to breaking that down because I think this movie was about one person. (laughs) I just tried to breathe in when I was swallowing because I wanted to respond to that so badly. (laughs) Uh, I think you're right. Um, But I I also think you can look at it from a a completely different perspective, um, which I I won't talk about now, obviously, but um, there's definitely some some conversation to be had there. Yeah. Dude, I want to just skip to the danger zone right now. What what do you think about um, the performance of of Jack Rayner, Christian? In this movie. Which one was he? He was, um, hmm. um, the, the, you know, the other kind of, uh, the main ish. Yeah. I don't even want to say that, but, uh, her, uh, her boyfriend. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I struggled with him a little. Okay. Um, he was just a bit blunt and not in an interesting way at times. Yeah. I agree. Like he played almost a bit of a stereotypical meathead, like yeah. not sensitive person. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like. There's not a whole lot of depth to his character. Yeah, I think. Yeah, 
but I think that's important in relation to the character that she's playing. Sure. Uh, and being trapped in a relationship that possibly isn't the healthiest mm-hmm. or the best. Uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of performances, though, I do want to shout out Florence Pugh here because like, she's asked to do a lot here in terms of emotional spectrum. Dude. Uh, I mean, this movie deals a bit with loss and, and, and um, anxiety and depression and like she nails it. Especially um, in like the first 15 minutes, there's, she's, there's a lot. It's very demanding. She she kills it. The hauntingly. So. Yeah. It's like at one point she's crying and it's it's like you don't hear that crying unless it's like the most you got to go through some stuff. Yeah. And no, it really. Like heaving. I'm like almost trying to throw up. And like <laughs> that scene bothered me a it lot. Brings, it brings out that memory of like the last time that I have cried like that or yeah. the person that you love has done that. Night. Man, very intense. Yeah. That was like yeah. getting punched a little. Yeah. Oof. That was um, rough. Yeah, that's why I was. I have so much respect for her as an actress. She's so, yeah, like good God. I mean, coming coming off of fighting with my family too. Yeah, like, it's nice to see. Like, this is this is the opposite of that movie. Yeah, for was all she the purposes. main character? Yes. What? Which is I was thinking too. Like, is that her? And Whoa. then I didn't really. It didn't connect until like thirty minutes into the movie. Partially because in that movie she's like fully gothed out kind mm-hmm. of thing. She's got like super black hair, which doesn't yeah. uh, translate. The other thing I wanted to mention is I think we're okay saying this is um, a horror movie. Horror suspense, yeah. Sure. I wouldn't call it a traditional horror no, movie by any stretch of the imagination. I, it has elements of a horror movie. Um, it was way more of like um, a situational horror sure. movie. And at the very least, it's certainly meant to be creepy. Yes. Um, what struck me, and I think which is maybe the first time I've ever seen this, is there's almost no darkness in this movie. Yeah. Like that's a big strength for a lot of horror movies. They can lean on that crutch of of scaring you or, or it, like we're, we're inherently scared of the dark. Um, and this is, this takes place on the summer solstice basically. And there's, yeah. th- it's all in broad daylight in these like flowery fields. Yeah. And it's so weird that like that the two interplaying, like I am creeped out and like, it doesn't feel right. I don't, I shouldn't be cause it's, I, there's nothing to be scared of. Yeah. Right. Cause it's, it's like, mm. cause it's bright out and there's pretty flowers. It's everywhere. so weird. And the, the place where they were was gorgeous. Yeah. It was absolutely beautiful. Yep. And the architecture, of, mm-hmm. of the place that they went was really breathtaking. Yeah. It was one of the most beautiful sets I've ever seen. Because we'll call it a set. Because it was yeah, essentially like a meadow with some buildings. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, they, they shot it in, um, uh, oh man, I thought I had it. I read it at some point. It was, uh, it wasn't Germany. It was near Germany. I think okay. it was Austria. Okay. I think they shot it and that was the stand-in for, uh, for Sweden. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Um, there was beautiful mountains in the background, and it did give you a really strong like ice isolationist feeling. Like yeah. you're, uh, there's trees on the sides, and there's mountains. Like you're you're there. Um, but I'm not even. Gonna, I am gonna try. Powell Por. Here we go. Pogorzelski. I think it's pronounced Pavel. Pa- you're right. Pavel Pogorzelski. That's the best. Pavel Pogorzelski. Was I think the, the R is silent? Okay. Because I've heard it said out loud. Really? I'm pretty sure it's Pavel Pogorzelski. Hmm, okay. Well, he was the cinematographer for this movie, and and there's just these moments like there's a there's a yellow building. It's a it's like an A-frame kind of thing. Yeah. And it there's a couple of shots where people are like walking to it or from it or standing in front of it, and like it's just this really breathtaking. Like the coloring in this movie is great. There's seen like everybody's in this immaculate white, and there's Could, a point where they're in like a desert. It's not a desert, but you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, and like the white stands out in such a crazy way. Um, there's a scene where we see Jack Rayner's eyes close up and they like glow. They're like this blue glowing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point throughout this movie, you're like, am I seeing the effects of drugs? Like, or is this just the way that it's shot? And they're just like, it's, you're so sucked in to the experience of a lot of these, um, characters. It's yeah. like, it's, it's off putting, but beautiful and weird and entrancing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The visual, like that dude's, uh, 
really good. Yeah. I would like to follow his career a bit more closely. Than yeah, I, I would too. I mean, it's just, it's breathtaking stuff. Yeah. The shots are beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they're great. <laughs> uh, what else? Okay, so what else do you want to touch on, if anything? You know, I think you should be in, I don't know, what kind of headspace would you advise people to be in when you watch this movie? Because I was in like a relatively good mood. I mm-hmm. went in pretty unbiased, unfettered. I was pretty you know, in a good mood, I was fine. It was, it's not something I would watch in a bad mood. It's it's a, it's a really heavy movie in weird and unusual ways. It it plays on so many emotions Mm -hmm. and different thoughts that like, yeah, you have to be in kind of a good or accepting place to watch this movie. Yeah. Which is interesting because that's a theme throughout the movie. There's a lot of like from our, our main characters, like this is a different culture. Things are different. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily make them bad. So let's be open-minded. Yeah. I kind of think that you're hitting the nail on the head. They're like, that's kind of the mentality you want to have going in. Mm-hmm. Um, because for me, there are moments in this film that didn't work a hundred percent, but I'm wondering if it was just my headspace. Like mm. there's moments where in the theater, people were laughing when I was feeling tense and vice versa at points, mm. I would imagine they were tense. Um, so I, I think I think a movie like this, you have to be able to fully surrender yourself to what the director's going for. Yeah. And if you're reserved at all, if there's points like this is, this is dumb. It can shut it down pretty quickly. This movie is really, really similar to a psychedelic experience in that, that you kind of have to just let it happen to you. Sure. Like I wanted to call this movie an experience, Mm -hmm. not a film. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's something that happens. It can be both. It's something that happens to you. Mm -hmm. Like, I felt that overwhelmingly while I was sitting there, like that I'm not watching this movie. This movie is happening to me. Yeah. Um, and you just kind of let it like wash over you and like accept it for what it is and all the weirdness and twists and turns and stuff. And it was, uh, it was a really good time for me. Yeah. My only other thought, I guess, is that, um, and again, no spoilers here, maybe some minor spoilers for hereditary. Um, but that movie is abstract for the whole time. And then at the very end of hereditary, you get like a 10 minute sequence that basically spells it all out for you. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think was a weak point of that movie. Me too. Um, and I felt almost the opposite way in this one. Like there's, I was looking for clues basically along the way. Oh, I can't wait to talk about this. Yeah. Like kind of knowing that that was, if this was anything like hereditary, if it was going to be Ari Aster would do something similar where there would be like these little peppercorns throughout. And I, I was trying to pick up on them and I felt like there were a lot, but by the time it got to the end, it was so open for interpretation. I think that it was it was almost distracting having those breadcrumbs laid out for me. Mm. Um, and I almost I think the strength of of his structure is more the hereditary style, where you leave it either you spell it out or you leave it all ambiguous. Um, but again, I'm three hours out of my screening, and yeah. maybe there's more to digest, and I just haven't gotten there yet. Personally, I felt um, the way it ended wasn't ambiguous at all. Hmm. Like I. I I got it. I, th- I mean, not to sound self-righteous, but like, I think I understood how it ended and it mm-hmm. made total sense to me. Okay. So, and, and I guess like, I'm, I'm fine with it being open to interpretation. I just think, or, or even like, so when you end it, you're like, Nope, I know what that was about. Perfect. My problem is like, if every bit of evidence that I'm presented with leading up to that doesn't match, I'm going to be a little mad. Yeah, I want to like, what was that for then? Yeah. I want to talk about the evidence. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. We can get there. We should get there. All right. So did you like this movie? Yes. Okay. I liked it. Me too. Yeah, you liked it a lot, I think. I think I did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's not going to be my top 10 for the year. I, I love the approach and I love the daringness and the willingness to do something a little bit different from mainstream cinema. Um, but I'm going to have a hard time, like I said, not comparing it to Hereditary. Mm. Um, and I think that was much more well done to the point that this is going to be detracted a little bit mm. for me. 
I think we watched this movie from really different um, like perspectives and levels of experience in certain substances. Yeah, but I would make the argument that shouldn't affect how much you enjoy a movie it's or, not, or appreciate a movie. I, I think in this case it would. Hmm. Um, just like uh, specifically like evolutionarily as a human, like how much different things change you and like, yeah, we'll, we'll get more into it in the danger zone, but I think it enhanced it for me. All right. And I think it, I can explain why in a way that'll make sense. To sure. You. So, well then let's, uh, let's rate it. Yeah. This movie was a 9.4. Nice. Yeah. Very high rating. It's one of my favorite m- movies of the year. Um, yeah. This okay. absolutely loved it. Great. Uh, it's an eight for me. Okay. Good movie. Solid. With a lot of good stuff. I look forward to you rewatching this. I look forward to rewatching it as yeah. well. Yeah. Like uh, I think yeah. I'd like to rewatch this with you in my viewing room. Sure. That'd be great. That'd be a great movie for that. Yes. Yeah. I was just the, like the way they integrate sound into this was very cool. Like mm-hmm. a lot of the soundtrack or the score is, uh, is diegetic, which is to say that it's like on the screen happening, but you don't know that at first. Like mm-hmm. you hear these, like, there's like a lot of, um, um, how would you describe those songs? Like very, very choral and very, uh, chanty, chanty at times. Yeah. Um, there's like lots of flutes or mm-hmm. like, uh, pan flute kind yeah. of sounds tribal. almost. And you hear that in the background and then like the camera slowly pans like, Oh, there's like three people in robes playing that. Mm-hmm. And they do that throughout the movie all the time. And it's so weird. It's like, it's, it takes you into it more. Right. Um, cause there's, he does a lot of that, like just like huge, wide, slow pans, like pulling away and pushing in. Um, the long shots really sucks you into it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Really good. Enjoyable. Man. All right. So break time. Break time. No we, spoilers yet. No spoiler. Well, yeah, the whole third part spoilers. What do you mean? Well, not really. I mean, we do. We talk about hot and bothered and then we okay. talk about beer and then we get back to this. Yes. So we're if not we immediately t- going to come back and spoil it. No, but spoilers inbound. Yes. So watch yourselves. In the meantime, BRB. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. I'm glad that you opened bottles, man, because you don't seem to learn because you keep doing like like you're almost pointing it right at your face. And then you like do like a matrix style, like you know what? Horseshoes and hand grenades almost doesn't count. What does that mean? Almost only counts if you're playing horseshoes or hand grenades. What is I know what horseshoes is. What is hand grenades? When you throw a grenade at someone, it'll kill them if they're close to it. Almost. Wait, what kind of game? Was that a game? No. Like a real grenade? Yeah. Like almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. They only work if they're close. I see. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> it's sure. a fucked up expression well, when yeah, you sure. really think about I don't, it. I guess I don't know the rules of horseshoes. You could, that gives you points? Uh, if you land a horseshoe within one horseshoe's width oh. of the, the pole, the, yeah. it's a point. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Well, that makes more sense now. Close counts, bro. Sure. Close counts. Um. Why did I say almost? <laughs> what does that even? Because I almost killed myself oh, almost, yeah, with a sure. bottle cap okay. again. Yeah. I didn't want to bleed again tonight. So preface this, um, or actually maybe postscript that whole discussion with what beer you're pouring, please. This is a beer from Westbrook. Westbrook? Sure. Whoa. Westbrook Brewing Company out of Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. It's going to be a, I just saw the ABV. Don't mess with my emotions here. Where'd it go? 10%. This is a maple bourbon barrel aged stout. It's an imperial stout aged in maple syrup barrels. So not bourbon barrel aged, maple syrup barrel aged. And what is it called? It's the Westbrook 7th Anniversary. I bet you can guess why they made this beer. 
I would guess to celebrate their seventh anniversary. Exactly okay. correct, sir. <laughs> you are a genius. Um, so really quickly, Johnny Westbrook, uh, notorious for lots of good beers. Yeah. In particular, Mexican cake, their Imperial stout with spices and yep. chocolate and peppers. And also their key lime pie goza, which That's we, a great one. we have done on this show and it's amazing. And they do a bunch of variants of Mexican cake as well. This one was actually purchased off of Tavor. Nice by you. Uh, yes. Cool. So they have all kinds of cool stuff now coming. Like I've seen the key lime pie goza on sure. Tavor. So a brewery that was once nigh unattainable and highly trade worthy is now a click away with a cool app and it's delivered to your door. So that is very cool. God, uh, Save whatever, the queen. You, whatever you believe in bless yeah. America. <laughs> uh, you can get this beer delivered to your door if you're lucky enough to catch it when it's yeah. on Tavor. And I think it was only like 14 bucks a bottle. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, this particular bottle was bottled on January 4th of, I want to say that says, 19. no, it says 19. Um, yeah, I want to read what they have here just on the side of the bottle. They say for our seventh anniversary, so yes, points to me. Uh, we went big on the chocolate and added a little sea salt and 12 months in maple bourbon barrels. So I guess it is maple Whoa. bourbon. Whoa. Um, well, which is it? Is, is it? that maple? What is maple bourbon? I don't know. You think it's like bird dog? Oh, I hope not. I hope not. Ugh. Uh, luscious notes of liquid cocoa. And a smooth salinity make this beer deliciously decadent. Boom. So I'm expecting great things, obviously, because I've had the Mexican cake. It's real good. Mm -hmm. And the key lime goza, also very good. Um, I don't know, man. So what do you think? You're having a drink. Is it is it going to live up to the hype or should I, should I reel myself back now? No, it's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. I'm getting a ton of chocolate up front with just like a dash of sea salt, which I'm really enjoying because it's okay. there. Like you can kind of smell it too. It's got that, that savoriness that really kind of rounds it out because like if you know anything about like sweet flavors, like it's really fun to sprinkle salt on sweet things. Mm -hmm. If you never put salt on a watermelon, it's amazing. It's so good. So it's really interesting to see it integrated with a chocolate stout. And then obviously you get some heat and you get maple on the finish like a lot. There's some roastiness to it that's not quite coffee. It's definitely like roasty from the malt. It it reminds me of like a salted caramel mocha or macchiato, not a macchiato, but like like a mocha with some some salt in it or something like that. Yeah, didn't Starbucks do that for a minute? They did like a, or maybe it's like a seasonal thing. I remember when I was in high school, I would see like around wintertime, like every, yeah, it's like a salted caramel, car, I think salt, salted caramel mocha maybe. I'm pretty sure this, well, the salted caramel macchiato, I think is a year round item. Is it? No, they do caramel macchiatos. That's a thing. Which they is they, just basically, by the way. They sprinkle salt. It's a latte with caramel sauce. That's, really? There's no such thing as a. A macchiato? That's not, there's a such thing as a macchiato. There's no such thing as a caramel macchiato. And if it were a thing, it didn't matter. But we're here. Ooh, a macchiato is it? Macchiato in Italian uh, means a mark. Means marked. Okay. Um, so what a macchiato is is a shot of espresso with like a little dollop of milk, foamed milk. Okay. Uh, and that's what the mark is. It's the milk. Just a little dollop. So a caramel macchiato makes no sense. But if it were to be a thing, I guess like maybe you would drizzle caramel on top. A caramel macchiato at Starbucks is like just a latte. It's a milkshake. With a shit ton of caramel in it. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a caramel milkshake. syrup. Yeah. And then, yeah, you can get it blended. Yeah. Um, all that to say, this is really good. It's nice. Um, I think you're just about right. There's tons of maple at the end. There's sweetness. The the chocolatiness tastes not quite like a dark chocolate, but not 
overly sweet like a milk chocolate is. Yeah, it's um, like a like a sixty five percent cacao. Yeah, there's some like real real like chocolatey uh, chocolatey dustiness to this. You know, yeah. like if you uh, if were to like shave off chocolate and like get the kind of um, powder. Yeah, that sort of consistency. Yeah, um, this is nice. It's a little bit more carbonated than I would have liked. I think, but yeah. Other than that, I'm I'm really into this. It's got just like a tiniest bit of coconut too, which kind of adds to the chocolate. I think it's like in there. Like, I it tastes saying. it tastes like the meat of a coconut, and I think that's what you're. I'm getting from like the salt mixed with the chocolate oh, a maybe. little bit gives it that like meaty because it almost tastes like coconut water. Oh, I don't get that at all. Like just like the slightest bit though. Mm, I get like there's some there's some tartness, some tanginess to it, um, which could be associated. Like I could see that bridge being gapped pretty easily, or the the opposite of gapped, I guess. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I would say tastes like coconut water no i'm just saying like the flavor that i'm tasting has like a small resemblance to coconut water is it that is it that tanginess no i don't think this beer's tangy at all that's the only thing i could imagine uh associating with coconut water no just like the like the meatiness like the heartiness Hmm. of a coconut water because coconut water's got like a hearty See, i don't think that either maybe it's just like a personal thing but it always is like really light and drinkable and refreshing to me it's light but it's got like it's it's got a a hearty flavor it can be light and hearty yeah that's true yeah so you're saying flavor or um, like consistency? No flavor. You're saying meatiness of it. No, like like mean. a coconut meat. Yeah, like the it. it but the flavor of a coconut meat or like the the the, the no, thickness the, the of flavor. It. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, why no. I said coconut water. Yeah, I don't you get that. Get that flavor, but it's nice and thin. Either way, this beer's really good. Yes, it's like a, a salted chocolate candy bar. Sure, it ends with a lot of with a lot of chocolate, mm-hmm. which I think is really good. I think that's what it's trying to do. Um, it's ostentatious. It's robust. It's uh. It's it's luscious. Mm. There's a lot of, it, I mean, decadent. Usually, I feel like beers throw that out on their bottles. Like this decadent, thick, delicious, exquisite beer. And like decadent for me is usually not that accurate. But I think I think it's a good description description for this one. I like it a lot, and it's luscious. That's a great word. I mean, it is, yeah. Or lush, either way. Luscious. Um, good though. Very yeah. good. It is. Uh, not available around town, obviously. Only on Tavor for now. Yep. Other Westbrook, Brest, yeah, Brestwook. Brestwook. Uh, I did it too. Uh, Westbrook. Any other Westbrook around town that you know of? None at all. Only on Tavor. All right. Well, and you said they're out of South Carolina. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought, for me, they, I thought they were like um, more Midwestern than that, but nope. Something like Kansas or something. What is in Kansas? I think Toppling Goliath and Surly are both in the Midwest, like yeah. Wisconsin, uh, Ohio. Oh, there's another one in Wisconsin. Uh, New Glarus. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, is anything in Ohio? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. People. Yeah. Probably. It's a lot of dirt. It's a lot of dirt. Yeah. Wait, that's Idaho. That's Idaho. Shit. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, this beer is awesome. And if you're not on Tavor, it's really fun. But it's yeah. also a rabbit hole. Yes. And if you don't have self-control, stay off that app. And drugs. So I'm going to start talking negatives now. Here's where I'm going. I see the word maple Why and bourbon like that, dog? at least three to four times in this bottle. Um, and I will say there is no bourbon taste here. It's masked by too much sweetness. There's some maple quality, but I can't tell if it's pure maple or if it's just sweetness from the chocolate. Well, it says maple barrel age. It says maple bur- maple. What is wrong with me today? Wow, you're drunk. Maple bourbon barrel age. Look on the front. Go home. Maple bourbon barrel age. Very top. Maple bourbon barrel age. So I don't exactly know what that means, and I would love to, because worst case scenario, it does mean like a like a maple flavored bourbon. Which is probably not good. But then in the description, it says Imperial Stout aged in maple syrup barrels. Hmm. 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we can call the brewery. Gonna give them a call. And on the back, it says sea salt added and aged in maple bourbon barrels. All right, well, there. This bottle's sending me mixed messages, man. Okay, I'm gonna make a, a vote here. Let's call him. That's not a vote. Hello, we are not available now. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. We will return your call. Hello, my name is Johnny Summers. I have a very serious question about your seventh anniversary beer. I purchased it from Tavor, and I'm having a lively debate with my friend here about if it was aged in maple syrup barrels or some sort of weird flavored whiskey like Bird Dog that has maple in it. Barrels, you know. Is it whiskey barrels with maple or is it maple syrup barrels? Uh, it's a pressing matter because we, we're not going to be able to sleep until we get the answer. So if you could call me back and leave a message or talk to me in person, that'd Tell be great. Again, my phone number is 530-228-2579. Tell them your fetishes. <laughs> Stop it, Max. Tell them your email. Thank you for that. And uh, he thinks you're crazy. we're drinking this beer in California. Keep so. it together. <laughs> Fuck you, Max. You're the worst. <laughs> Did you just hang up? Yeah. <laughs> You're the worst. So we'll call that uh, they are closed. Max a jerk. Uh, well, I was just trying to make a phone call yeah. to a brewery. Yeah. And you had to distract me. Start talking about fetishes. That was a terribly generic voicemail they had. It was. Sorry. I don't even... We are not available. Yeah. Leave us. Leave us. Who's us? I have strong questions about if I even fucking called a brewery just then. I would really love to get a call back and be like, Hey, hey, who are you guys? This is Jim. Yeah. Here in wherever that is. I've been having this happen a lot. Uh, I'm not affiliated with the brewery anyway, but I know a lot since people keep calling. I like beer. I want to imagine a scenario where, like Kramer, starts just answering the wrong number. But do you remember that episode of Seinfeld where his number was one digit off from the movie phone where you'd call? If you listen to anything I ever said, you know I don't watch Seinfeld. Okay, so there was an episode of Seinfeld. Where Kramer, the eccentric no, I get neighbor, it. He gets, yeah, his phone number similar to the movie theater, and then yeah. call him and he answers. And he, he starts answering the phone and uh, reading off movie times in his free time. Mm-hmm. Just, it's the best thing ever. So I want some guy named Jim to sure. call me back. Yeah. He's like eighty-five. Like it was aged in maple syrup barrels, no bourbon at all. That's why it's only ten percent. You idiot! Actually, that is that is. We don't know. We didn't think of that. But it's not. It could be a lot stronger with uh, bourbon barrels, but. Well, Who knows? It took Jim. Alas, so, we must rate this beer. Yeah, man. Uh, you first. You did all the legwork there. Yeah, I did. So uh, as you're finishing your sips, I'm going to take another, but what do you think? Plus, I bought it, so I feel like this podcast owes me $14 now. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, let's figure that out. Um, I like this beer. It is delightfully smooth. It is sweet, but not like cloying. It doesn't get like robust, like too sweet. It's drinkable sweet. I've had so many stouts with adjuncts similar to this that were simply undrinkable after four ounces. But I think me and and Max are going to have no problem killing this 22 tonight, uh, which I find quite redeeming in this beer. It is, as all of the labels imply, delicious. And we get everything that's listed. I think it hits it out of the park. I think it's uh, really good. The only complaints are it's it's thin and it's a little overcarbonated, but... If it's not aged in bourbon barrels, I don't know how that affects the thickness. So I'm having to look at this as like a stout, maybe aged in maple syrup barrels just for added sweetness and not um, more body and viscosity. So for what I'm presented with, the spear is tremendous and it feels like uh, like an 8.9. Okay. Not a 9 though. No. All right. 
Uh, it's too sweet for me. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back to it after that call, it's uh, it is too sweet. It's actually not too thin for me. I don't, I don't mind the body at all, but, um, you might be on your own finishing that. Oh, wow. Uh, it's a six for me. Yeah. It's fine. Wow. Uh, a lot of good flavors, but they're overwhelming for me. You get cranky when I don't let you call the breweries. Yeah. That's what it was. Jeez, man. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's just more than I, more than I think it should be. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever. Well, what do you think it should be? I need it to be less sweet. It's too much. Because it's a maple syrup chocolate stout. Yeah. It just, I I don't get, I don't, I'm not able to pick out the chocolate versus the maple or if there's bourbon, I can't tell. And maybe there's not, but it's not clear enough that it isn't because it is kind of hot. Do you want to put some bourbon in it? No. We could. I I just want to be able to tell the difference between the chocolate and and the maple, certainly. And I want it to, to end and finish well enough. And it's just, it's sitting really heavy for me. And that's not an unreasonable request from our young Maxwell. So that's a six flat from him, an 8.9 from me. Yeah. That is Westbrook's seventh anniversary, maybe bourbon barrel Maple, maybe bourbon. Maybe maple, maybe bourbon. We're going to call this the maybe stout. Yeah. So. Deal. Away it goes. Away it goes. I'm going to drink the rest of it by myself. On to Hot and Bothered, dude. Yeah. How's uh, how's time? How's your life? How's things? Things are good, man. Things are progressing. Uh, If you listen to the bonus content, you'll know that there's... The bonus content on Patreon. Don't go searching on your podcast feeds. No. It's exclusive. You can't get that anywhere else but on the Patreon. Okay, just being clear. Yeah. So other than the the existential crises and need of uh, vacation slash uh, moving to a third world country to make street food and eat curry for the rest of my life, things are great. Good. Yeah. Love it. Work's work, man. Work uh, predominate or dominates life, but things are good. I have a hot... And it's kind of a precursor to a full evaluation of something that will be coming guaranteed next episode. Uh, Strangers Things 3. Oh, nice. Dropped July 4th. I almost watched it. I'm a huge fan of this series. I watched the first two seasons religiously. I've seen them all mm-hmm. multiple times. And so I am in the midst of hammering through season three. Uh, once we record this podcast, I'll probably go watch some more. But it will be completed in my brain, in my eyes. By next week. Great. So I'm enjoying that a lot right now. It's nice returning to these characters. They've aged. They are interacting in a completely new and different way. So there's still a lot of potential for the show to grow. And I think they're utilizing the actors and the story that's kind of available to them right now to its fullest extent. And I really like the season so far. So full report to come. But season three, Stranger Things, has got me hot. Nice. What about you? I, so I have a, a, a film podcast that I... <laughs> And a beer podcast. It's called First Stop Cinema. Oh, God. Uh, I don't does have the, it. Does this podcast have you hot? I, I listen to a film podcast called Film Spotting. Uh, two co-hosts. They're great. Adam and Josh. They are in um, Chicago. And they're both full-time movie critics. Or uh, I know Josh is. They're big-time movie critics. They're very good. They're very insightful. And, and I credit them in my own brain, at least, for um, the way that I have learned to shift my movie viewing and uh, understanding experience over the past year or so. And once a year, they do a March Madness style movie bracket tournament thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's what March Madness is for yes. basketball. Okay, um, well, there's no I, movies. No, but on this there are. Um, so they put out their let's. So basically, every year they do it, and they have a different category, and they go by the decade. And right now, this next season, so next March, will be the best films of the 2000s. And they put out their short list of all their contenders, and I'm looking at it on Letterboxd. And what I am doing is going through, and I'm going to start uh, more actively now since i am got some free time on my hands for movies, hopefully soon. 
um, is working my way through them to make sure that I have seen them all by the time March Madness starts. Okay. And I have seen, I don't know, I'm going to say like, just scrolling through here, like maybe half of them. That's a good start. And there's, um, on this short list, they're going to, they're going to have, I don't know how many are going to make it into their final list, their final bracket of 64. Um, but there's like 88 or something on this list. We'll have to shave off 22 ish. Yeah. Um, so I've seen uh, a bunch and there's some on here that like, I know I've seen at one point, but I was like not paying attention or I saw it on TV or I was too young or whatever. That's how I, I go through like letterboxd. I'm like, I saw this totally, but I don't have anything critical to say about it. And yeah. I couldn't tell you the plot. Yep. Doesn't, I haven't seen it. You haven't actually seen it. If you can't do that. Totally. Um, and I, I was just going to read a couple of them, like the two thousands were a pretty good time for movies. You guys, uh, that was Inglorious bastards. That was the hurt locker. Uh, Into the Wild, Finding Nemo, Donnie Darko uh, was in there somewhere. Really? Mm-hmm. That came out in the 2000s? Uh-huh. Almost Famous, Atonement. What? That that fucks me up a little. I thought that came out in like the mid-90s. Which one of those? Donnie Darko. Yeah. What? Actually, now that you're saying that, I just even know it came out in 2001. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, it was almost 20 years ago, dude. Whoa. Yeah, which is uh, arguably going like... to fuck you up more. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that was what? It, almost 20 years ago. I mean, it was 18 years ago. <sighs> Yeah, people in like 1995 can drink now. People born in 95. Yeah. Like 94. No, yeah. That's strange. Um, but yeah, that was Jake Gyllenhaal uh, just getting going. Kill Bill came out in the 2000s. Lost in Translation. Punch Drunk Love. Um, so I'm going through this list and I'm super stoked because a lot of these are, There Will Be Blood was on there. Come on, man. Um, so I'm going to go back through that and uh, I'm really excited. So if you want to follow that list as well, it's called Film Spotting Madness 2019 colon Best of the 2000s shortlist. It's on Letterboxd. I would encourage you to watch along. Um, and then when March Madness does come around, if you're not a basketball person like I am not, you can listen to Film Spotting and and they kind of have eliminations and it's by voting. It's a lot of fun. How do they vote? There's two it's of them. It's crowdsourced voting. So, oh, okay. so you can go on their website. Um, why not? Filmspotting.net and you can go to their March Madness bracket and you can vote um, as the weeks go on. We should 100% rip this off. Uh, I've thought about it. It's I, Well, that was my idea to do it for beer. Remember, I was like, we should do the best IPAs in no, March. I don't I, remember Steph, this at We all. had a meeting and everything, uh, kind of. But no, I would love to. Uh, I'm not going to completely rip it off, but I would love to do it for beers. Like maybe next March, we do like the best IPAs. That and I, be that'd be so much fun. Yeah. Um, we could see if we could get them to tweet us out. Maybe they'll tweet. They've they've given us a shout out before. Yeah. Yeah. We were on. We yeah. They shouted us out on an episode. Yeah. Very cool. I really like them. I don't know how that felt to you because you're not as big of a listener of them, but. Felt uh, great. I, I, I like it when anyone that I don't know says the name sure. of my podcast. <laughs> it feels really good. It yeah. makes my Peter tingle. Oh, nice callback, dude. Thank you. Uh, okay, so that was my my hot this week. That's a good hot. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We should keep me and our listeners in the loop. Deal. Because I like brackets. Well, I'll, I'll keep updated on, on that list, and you keep us updated on your AMC's Top 100. Yes. We'll be uh, filled to the brim with movie knowledge. By next episode, I should have my viewing room completely finished. Love it. And possibly furnished with chairs. Great. Well, give me a put one with my name on it. Yes. Citizen Kane within the next month. Nice. I'm going to loosely commit to a, within a month. We Do should it. watch that movie together. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Let's get back to, uh, to Midsummer. So bring it in. Final warning. Spoilers for Midsummer. If you haven't seen it yet, we're about to dive in. We're going to rip this movie apart front to back. I don't think that's how I would classify this, but, uh, what do you want to talk about first? If, if anything, um, so what do you think this movie was about? Well, I mean, clearly there are themes of, of toxic relationships, uh, grief, depression, um, 
I think if you if you want to read it that way, those can be the predominant themes. And I think that's probably the safest and most accessible way to read this movie. Okay. Um, like you you have, like I was saying earlier, this very clearly bad relationship. There's literally a conversation between uh, Jack Rayner and his friends. Like, you just got to break up with her. I know I've been wanting to, but what, I haven't. Whatever. Um, she finagles her way or he feels bad and invites her to go to Sweden. Um, and then she also has the tragedy of her whole family dying because of her sister. You can't just drop that in there. That was voluntarily like, committing suicide for yeah. all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are these, like two things. She's clearly doesn't have a lot of stability in her life. That was the first, what, 10 minutes of this movie. I think that whole thing was like the first 15 minutes, the whole setup. And then it was plain red, by the way, one of the coolest transitions that caught me off guard was her going into the bathroom and right. then boom, we're in a plane. Yeah. Very, very cool. Love that yeah. kind of stuff. And the, the first 15 minutes, you think they're setting a tone like visually. Cause the whole Remember, I want to call back to what you said about darkness. Oh, sure. First 15 minutes of that movie, very fucking dark. Very dark. Very dark. Right. And it felt so, like weirdly more more comforting because it was so familiar. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was I was predicting creepiness, darkness, whatever. Well, because the first 15 minutes looked like hereditary. Yeah. Yeah. Like that scene when um, the firefighters are finding mm-hmm. uh, her whole family essentially yeah. dead. Very visually strikingly similar to hereditary. Sure. Also very shitty and shocking yeah like, that's the i mean the, the one thing that i will say about like the themes of depression here is that i think it's really easy for a filmmaker or for people in general to um not really give it its due time i think we're basically given this scenario where all right her sister's depressed therefore killed herself killed her family let's all move on not really focus on that yeah and if you want to make the argument that the end of this movie by her voluntarily sacrificing uh, her boyfriend is spoiler is, Yes, we're just where do you right, think we are? We're yeah. jumping right to the end. I'm not trying to rehash the plot chronologically. Yeah, I'm making points that would take too long. Um, but no, but I think if you want to make the argument that that is her, um, like catharsis in me, like I don't, I'm not, I'm letting this out of my life. Granted, pretty, pretty fucked up way of doing it, but sure, I get that. But I still think it doesn't quite deal with um, the the mental debilitation from the beginning. I don't think that's ever really resolved in a satisfying way or in any way, really. It's never resolved. I think it's it. This movie to me was about Danny, the main. Yeah, she, oh, great, she's sure. obviously the main character. Okay, so yeah. to me, this movie is about her, and she's kind of in the eye of this hurricane, and things are happening around mm-hmm. and to her, and her friends. So to me, this movie is all about her and her evolution as a human being, with some mental problems and a lot of tragedies happen to her, and how she progresses through this insane circumstance in the light of all these tragedies and mm-hmm. being given all this crazy input sure with this situation. So to me this whole movie is about her and in the end was like um a burning of her former self. It was very evolutionary. It was mm-hmm. like the catharsis and the letting go and like you get a lot of that shit out of psychedelics of like the oh, letting right. go and the the okay. catharsis and yeah, evolution totally. and like the perspective of your ego and your problems and why you're doing things that are damaging to you and like it you gain a lot of perspective so this movie got a lot of things right and also there's like this fucked up way that things are happening well yeah i mean with the psychedelic thing like from everything that I've heard to, to have that sort of emotional release, you need to be in an environment where you are voluntarily doing this. Uh, yeah. Which I think they touch on a little bit with the eyebrows kid. He's like new person. No, I don't want a new person right now. This is good. I'm going to lay down. Like that controlled environment is from what I've heard key for like a mushroom scenario. Like 
and, and the idea that like, she's constantly be, being given like tea or food and she's like just constantly spiraling would make me think that it would be less of an ideal trip. Yes and no, because um, I got the distinct vibe that she needed to let go. And a lot of her evolution as a character was accepting and letting go and like letting go of that control. And like, I mean, you can see it in the first 15 minutes of the movie. She's like needing the email back because her sister's bipolar. She's needing the support from the boyfriend. Like to me, it was really a process of like needing to let go and, huh. and remove self from the equation. Sure. Okay. I don't, I don't disagree. Um, what I'm also interested in is, and again, I've just seen this today. I wanted to do more digging, but I had a meeting after the movie with somebody about music stuff. Um, I want to know more about sort of the folklore that inspired this. Yeah. Um, I know I was reading an, an interview with um, Ari Aster and, and a couple other people, I think that were on the production team talking about not knowing a whole lot about mm. Swedish folklore and then going like touring a bunch of spots and learning. Um, and one of the places he went was like an old church or something or a hostel. Maybe. I can't remember the exactly. churches and stuff over there that have been right. like a thousand years old. They're fucking crazy. Right. And he said what he saw on the walls were like a lot of that, that sort of very um, visually, uh, evocative art, not all of it happy to look at. Mm -hmm. Um, and this gets back to kind of the evidence breadcrumbs that we're talking about. Like you see, it's hard not to try to infer meaning from like all of these different like rune drawings or I think the first time we're faced with it, it's like one of the characters, one of the people from London is like, look at that. What is that? And she's like, or the dude, the Swedish dude's like, we can go look. It's a, it's a little love story. And we scroll like from right to left and it's just like a tapestry. Yeah. Yes. And there's a lot of that kind of stuff. I was like, okay, well, how does how is a girl cutting her pubes with scissors going to matter? And then it does. Then did you catch the second frame of that with the the blood in the cup? Uh, no. So the second frame of that tapestry. But that I makes keep, total sense when you say it. I keep wanting to say pastry. Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> tapestry. The tapestry. Yeah. Um, is like the same girl that like cut off her pubes. That's so funny. Um, like straddling uh, a cup. And like menstrual blood. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. And like menstrual blood is dropping into this sure, cup. Sure, sure. And if you look at That's the why dinner. lingered on the cup. I, well, his was tinged with yeah. red. I was like, what is that? It's like yep. a weird punch. Yeah. When you, I should have. Yeah. I didn't connect those dots. Yeah. So that chick was obviously following some sort of uh, traditional yes, wooing right. method of bleeding, <laughs> bleeding into your lemonade and yeah. dropping some pubes in your dinner. Yeah. The old pheromone you know, trick. That fucking gets me every time. Yeah, yeah it does. And, but then like you have, you have things where like, like. The hardest one to ignore, I'd say the most obvious is like the bear on fire drawing. Yeah. And then like we've seen a bear in a cage, like, all right, that bear is going to be on fire at some point. Yeah. Um, what what I don't get is like, I want to know if they're giving us all this information and basically acting it out by the end. Like, what is it? Like, tell me at least and hereditary again, the end of that movie was the weakest part, but at least we learn like who Payman was. Like he's this, this God of hell or, or Lord of hell or whatever. And like, it's kind of laid out and I wanted that satisfaction without having to do the digging myself. I would say this, that adds to the overall creepiness of this because you kind of get the feeling of isolation very early on. It's established at this commune, this cult-like setting that you can't leave. Yeah. That's established. So yep. you're yeah. stuck here. Mm -hmm. So not only are you completely out of your element in a foreign country, you're stuck here and all this crazy shit's going to happen to you for the next nine days, whether you like it or not. Um, and I think they put us in the same exact perspective as the people experiencing this in the film of not knowing what the fuck is going on. And okay. the fact that it's never laid out like what the bear represents and stuff, I feel adds to the overall feel of this movie in that it doesn't 
explain itself. It's meant to be a mystery because it's a mystery to the people experiencing it. And like the main chick, Danny, fully gives into the experience by the end and is overtaken by it. And she almost, you feel like she's becoming part of this commune, whereas everyone else really was not going to ever become part of it. And it's like she she had no idea what was going on either. Right. But it's a matter of like, if you're gonna, are you gonna give in to what you can't change because it's around you and there's no way out, hmm. or are you gonna fight it? That's a much more interesting theme, I think. Um, I yeah, I don't know. For me, like, do, totally valid points, but like, I for me, I just needed answers. I think it comes back to like what we were saying in the beginning, or what I said about viewing this movie. Like, you are either 100 percent on board with what this guy's trying to do, yeah, or you're questioning it. And by the end, totally, because like, like seeing seeing Jack Ryan's character sitting there in a like a bear suit. Like this, like completely vegged out, just like, like with different music could have been funny. Mm-hmm. And I almost found myself chuckling. It just wasn't scary enough to justify that type of thing for me. Mm. Definitely creepy. Definitely weird. I don't think it was supposed to be scary. I don't know that it was either. I'm not sure. That's part of my problem. I don't know what exactly it was supposed to make me feel. Yeah. And I had a hard time with that. I think so. that's more of, I don't know. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's more of a you problem just because like. I don't know. I mean, it is kind of, it's a viewer. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a discrepancy that a viewer can make. And I would also make the case that if you're trying to make a firm stance by the end, you need to lead people by the hand there. If you've been, that's my whole point with the breadcrumbs. They're like, give me the fucking sandwich that they're from. I think this movie was left intentionally vague and open for interpretation. And I think if that's the goal, they accomplished it pretty well. Yeah. I think, yeah, I'm looking forward to a rewatch as well because I think there's a lot of context there. There's a lot of uh, digestible nuggets in this. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to reading about Swedish folklore a little bit, yeah. which is not a sentence I ever thought I would say out loud. No shit, So right? fun. <laughs> and also, this movie was um, allegedly spot on being on a medium to high dose of mushrooms outside. Could the, you say all that one more time? <laughs> I don't know that I fully understood the context. So, allegedly... Who is, what is the alleged? Because every time you say allegedly, I'm not admitting to doing We know drugs that it means literally. You always say allegedly when you mean literally. Yeah. So if anybody's ever heard the show, you could you well, could backpedal now or not. I'm definitely not admitting to doing drugs on the podcast, but I've been told by people that no, that this is very similar and very accurate to being on a medium to like high dosage of mushrooms outside. Got it. The visuals, the way the trees were moving, that. Like everything's kind of alive. Yeah. It looks kind of cheesy until you've actually mm-hmm. seen that. And you're like, yeah, I know that feeling. I know that feeling of like looking down and seeing grass growing out of your hand. Like yeah. it's, you're connected. Mm-hmm. You feel like an energy. Yeah. And, and it was interesting. Maybe that's true. Um, it's, it still feels alienating because if it's meant to feel like this intimate uh, sort of cosmic connection, it doesn't feel that way. I guess maybe unless you've done it. No, which, I think that's a hard thing to portray on film. Sure, which is why a lot of people don't do it because yeah. it comes off as a joke. Yeah. Um, I think they did it really well. Okay. And I don't think it came off too jokey. What about the, uh, I think we should at least briefly talk about that sex scene. Oh, wow. Yeah, that uh, was. Uh, that would be an easy scene to ooh, make a joke of. And the 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 communal breathing thing with her sobbing. Yes. That was one of the craziest things I've ever seen on film. Yeah, I mean, just from a technical acting perspective. Like, whoa. Yeah. And also just like the emotional weight that that carried. And right. Like, well, and the, yeah, the idea that, I mean, they, they really ram that down her throat like, here, you're a family. Like, By the you, way, is your whole family dead? Because we can be your family. Yeah. Come you, here, family. Yeah. But also like the guy that brought them over at one point was like, does yeah. the, the guy that she's with in the relationship that's Christian. shitty 
Yeah, he's like, does do you, when he's when you're with him, do you feel held? Like that was like a big thing. Like sure. they're all very hands on supportive. Yeah, and the idea that like they're all linked in a way. Like the the interesting thing that really tied it in for that crying scene at the end when she's just seen Christian having sex with uh, whoever doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Maybe it does. Um, they're like it's almost like they're like she's heaving and sobbing and then they're kind of offbeat and then eventually they all sync up and it's like vroom, like it's like a hive mind like everybody's there supporting yeah, each other like kind of throbbing of breathing yeah, and screaming and crying super weird to watch it reminded me of anima a little bit it, it was very um like it looked like it could have been cathartic like mm-hmm. if you felt alone for your whole life oh, no that's the like whole that's just, the whole thing yeah yeah just definitely. being like more connected to other people and like yeah. having them empathize in such a visceral and physical way. Well, I think that's why she ultimately made that decision yeah. to, to sacrifice him. Definitely. The other thing I noticed, and, and I might be reaching for straws here, but the main characters that die, we have um, the dude who if, was doing his thesis, everybody, but Danny. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. Uh, the guys that die before are not even, we can include Christian. That's fine. Uh, the dude doing his thesis. Uh, originally there was the, Dude from London. Mm-hmm. There and was his girl and his girlfriend. Uh, can't think of what happened to her. She just kind of she she got sacrificed into the into the burning building. She was in there. Oh, was she? Okay. Then there was the eyebrows kid. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably somebody else, but I'm just gonna like make a quick case here, and I don't know. I, I think this is gonna sound dumb when I listen back later because this might be nothing, but I think the way that they die in horror movies in general, symbolic horror movies, the way people die is indicative of something, mm-hmm. right? Um we found the one dude dead in the garden. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and just throw this out. I think his character, he's doing his thesis. He's always digging for stuff. He ends up buried in a garden. Was that digging. him or was that the guy from London's leg? That was him. The guy from London was splayed out with his lungs. Mm, that's right. Um, in a blood Eagle fashion of traditional Viking sure. uh, sacrificial death. Yeah. Well, they kept him alive is like the whole thing. Yeah. That was weird. So they that could sacrifice wouldn't happen. Him. No, probably not. Um, and then, so like eyebrows kid, mm-hmm. uh, was very much like around Danny, like, Oh, like glad you're here. Okay. But like not super. But then when she's gone, he's like, no, nah, I can't believe she's coming. We're going to have sex with women. You got to dump her dude. Very two faced. What happens to him? Boom. Face gets cut off, put on somebody else face, face death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other guy, the London dude, um, what happened to him? That's the guy with this played back. Mm-hmm. Who's the other guy I was thinking of? Uh, oh, Christian, maybe. Christian was like very predatory, very passive, but also very angry. Maybe he's like a bear. I don't have all the pieces put together yet, but <laughs> I think there's something to be said for the way they died. And I think I'm going to pay attention to that going back. I could kind of see that because also eyebrows was sac- like when they burned the building down in the mm-hmm. final sacrifice, he was wearing a jester's hat. Yeah. That kind of shit. Yeah. I want to know. Yeah. And also his body was not there. No. That was like a straw. Because his, his face was removed. They peeled his face off or yeah. something. We could probably talk about the themes of the uh, inbred, mentally and physically disfigured person. Yeah, that Very was... Very weird thing. That was out there. Um, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to rewatch it. Yeah. I want to rewatch this again, too. Any more thoughts? I think you should watch it. I think it was a good film. Yeah, go check it out. It's in theaters now. It's mid-somar. It's I, not spelled normal. I love that there's a very shocking scene in this movie that's very, very graphically violent, and we haven't touched on it at all because it was such a... In the grand the, yeah, in the right. grand scheme of this movie, it wasn't a very big piece in the I, puzzle. Yeah, but I, like I appreciated that scene though because there's so often you'll, you'll do like a, you were okay. Uh, people jumping off rocks, yeah, uh, and then not dying immediately. Yeah, getting hit with a hammer in the face like old people. Yeah, um, camera does not cut away. Yeah, like you see every ounce of that damage, but sometimes from really far away. Mm-hmm. 
which is very strange too. It was. But man, seeing that guy's legs break and Oof. still be alive. Yeah. Really weird. It Not was good. based on the whole principle that they divide their lives into like four seasons. Seasons, mm-hmm. And at 72, they just commit That's suicide. We're, it's, we're, we're circling back again. So instead of withering away with this body, it'll be reborn into another personality or personality yeah. will be reborn and whatever. Yeah. They're like, why grow old? It's just lashing out against the inevitable. Yeah. That moment, I'm as a tourist there, I'm like, I'm fuck you guys. I'm I'm going. Mm-hmm. That's enough for me. I'm, I'm good. Done. I'm done. I've had enough. I've seen this. Yep. Now in the movie. I think I Point can is go. don't travel. Coming back to you wanted to leave. I don't America. think Thai people do anything like this. Well, they just make delicious curry. Wait for Ari Aster's next movie. In the meantime. Hostel Bangkok. Ugh. Yeah. Take us home, man. All right. Well, this has been a breakdown of the movie Midsommar. We hope you get to watch it. Let us know what you think if you've seen it. If you've had any of the beers we've drank today, let us know what you thought about them. Reach out to us at any of our social media. Shoot us an email, fhccast at gmail.com. Until next week, I'm Johnny Summers. And I'm Max Minardi. And as always, this episode would not be possible without the loving support of one Bailey Minardi. Bravo. We'll talk to you next week. Goodbye. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.